0: It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather, and he who controls the weather will control the world. With each passing day, the US dollar is dying, unsustainable infrastructure is collapsing, and global conflict is unfolding on the horizon. The last desperate actions of the global predator class are taking shape before the totality and immediacy of biosphere collapse becomes apparent to the masses. What has been will soon be no more. And above it all, the climate engineering operations are raging. 700 inches of snow. Sierra Nevada's face second snowiest season on record Stimming Brutal California Drought. That's a new headline from Forbes.com. The University of California, Berkeley, Central Sierra Snow Lab received 713.8 inches, nearly 60 feet of snowfall this season so far. That's the kind of headline the climate engineers and the controllers long for and have done everything to manufacture fill the reservoirs with toxic water, use matrix media to sensationalize the drought-busting winter weather, and convince populations to go back to sleep. And sadly, far too many are far too willing to do exactly that. Late last fall, the scheduled weather for California was yet more winter warmth and worsening of the already worst drought in at least 1,200 years. What changed? What possible pushback from behind the curtain prompted the climate engineers to completely alter their former weather schedule? Has Climate Engineering Awareness now finally reached a level that some of the insiders are realizing that they are also being weather warfared with the rest of us? Is that why the scheduled weather in the scorched and dying state of California was so radically altered in the last few months? Here's a few points to ponder. Is all the toxic climate engineering element runoff water from the highly toxic, chemically nucleated so-called snow going to magically bring rapidly dying forests back to life? No. Is all the toxic runoff water that will be used for farmland going to make those soils more fertile and productive? No. Will dying Western U.S. forests soon be dried out in preparation for Yet another season of unprecedented wildfires. Yes, the smoke from the wildfires serves the geoengineering agenda. This is a complex issue. Please search and view the report with that title. Wildfires serve geoengineering agenda. One of the most important reports ever from geoengineeringwatch.org. Are engineered climate catastrophes, drought, deluge, flash freeze events, devastating hailstorms, and ionosphere-heater-induced high-pressure heat domes being used to crush agricultural production around the world? Yes. And about the crops that do grow, will they absorb the toxic climate engineering fallout elements from the toxic rain and runoff? Yes. Elements like aluminum. Barium, strontium, manganese, surfactants, polymer fibers, graphene, and more. And yes, all of these nanoparticle-sized elements are being uptaken in the food we eat, in the livestock we consume, and every breath we inhale. All of it is building up in our bodies. It's called bioaccumulation. No shortage of bad news breaking headlines in a moment, but first, a message for those that are willing to stand against the tyranny. Geoengineeringwatch.org has always stated on the record that the only way forward in this fight to expose and halt the climate engineering insanity is to fully expose it, to reach a critical mass of awareness. If we can do that, the fur will fly. A shockwave would ripple around the world. There would be a paradigm shift. Populations all over the planet would realize what their governments have done to them and their children. Without their knowledge or consent, there would be a realization that we, all of us, are literally neck deep in a fight for life. The motivation that must finally unite us all and a common cause. One can only imagine that at that moment the proverbial pitchforks and torches will be put to use as populations go looking for anyone and everyone that was either actively or passively a part of the climate engineering assault and the cover-up of the same, which of course includes all those that are part of the matrix media weapon of mass deception and distraction. If by all our collective efforts, we can free the planet from the climate engineering aka weather warfare straitjacket and allow the planet to respond on its own to the damage already done, we would at minimum, buy time. Please forgive that rant, I didn't mean to go there right out of the gate, but it needed to be said. Let's cover more puzzle pieces, starting with this. Engineered winter weather mayhem for the western U.S. again and again and again. All of it after our completely rainless, often 80 degree so-called winter last year. Literally rainless in my location on the eastern shores of Lake Shasta. Not a drop of rain last winter from late December to early April. Nothing but warmth and drought. And now, this year, in recent months, jet aircraft can be heard and seen above almost every significant cloud canopy that passes over. And frozen material in some form or another starts falling out, along with a blast of cold surface air, very unnatural feeling blast of surface air often. And in between such events are days with temperatures pushing 70 degrees, literally t shirt weather. And the variance in temperature when they chemically nucleate on days that are rain from dawn till dusk vary radically depending on how heavy they chemically nucleate. So instead of an all-day rain event having temperatures that should vary only slightly, we see radical swings, often 20 degrees or more. That is indicative of chemical ice nucleation operations when they're fully implemented, lowering those temperatures And they need the moisture to carry out these operations because those endothermic reactions dry up much of the the moisture. That is part of the endothermic reaction. Such radical and constant weather whiplash scenarios are not contradictions of nature. No, they are the altered and ever-changing schedule weather from the climate engineers. Those that still refuse to believe covert global climate intervention operations are real without ever having done a moment's honest research, will soon be forced to face reality, like it or not. Here's a question. How's the weather in the most populated country that doesn't have the massive military climate engineering operations like the U.S.? With that question in mind, the following headline this week is from the Times of India. Record heatwaves push India closer to limit of human survival. And it's only the start of April. What will July and August be like? From that report, the National Weather Office of India has forecast rising temperatures in the coming weeks after India experienced its hottest February since 1901. It's the hottest on record, but they always pick some previous date so that people think, oh, it happened before. It can't be that bad. Almost always not true. The report continues, the extreme temperatures have stoked concerns that there will be a repeat of last year's record heat wave, which caused widespread crop damage and triggered countrywide blackouts. The report then states, while temperatures as high as 50 degrees Celsius, that's 122 Fahrenheit again, are unbearable in any condition. The damage is made worse for those of India's 1.4 billion population who are stuck in tightly packed cities and don't have access to well-ventilated housing or air conditioning. And as humidity levels catch up with temperatures, which is inevitable, the so-called wet bulb effect occurs. If you don't know what that is, please investigate as we will all soon face it. The term wet bulb effect refers to the combination of heat and humidity in which the human body can no longer cool itself with perspiration. Again, this occurs when atmospheric humidity becomes too high in correlation with extreme temperatures. And at that point, the carnage will become biblical in scale. It's coming. Along with the already collapsing life support systems of the planet, climate engineering operations further fueling all of it. But the vast majority of U.S. populations and other first world nations don't have a clue about what's happening around the world exactly the way the predator parasite class wants it. The Matrix Media Machine of Mass Distraction makes sure there's always new chapters of scripted political theater to distract and divide populations while converging catastrophes close in from every imaginable direction. So, for the moment, Americans can pretend everything's fine again in California and the U.S. West— so much toxic snow that the drought is over. Everything's great. The carbon fuel carnival can keep going for the moment, grinding up the last of our environment to keep the party going till the last possible moment. Go back to sleep. That's what the controllers want the masses to do. Here's another report from multiple sources. World population bomb may never go off as feared, study finds. Does that sound like good news? Let's read between the lines. The report states, population likely to peak sooner and lower than expected with beneficial results, they say. But environment is priority. The study, commissioned by the Club of Rome, and for those that don't know who this is, it's part of the predator class, projects that on the current trends, the world population will reach a high of 8.8 billion before the middle of the century. Newsflash. That will never happen. We will never get there. The report continues, then decline rapidly. Speaking of populations, they say the peak could come earlier still if governments take progressive steps to raise average incomes and education levels. Let's stop there. Yes, governments are indeed taking radical measures to reduce populations, but definitely not by increasing your income and your education level or anyone else's. No, they've long since chosen much more direct ways of thinning the herd. Recently at quote, warp speed. That blank isn't hard to fill in. The Club of Rome report continues with this. By 2050, greenhouse gas emissions are about 90% lower than they were in 2020 and are still falling. That's, again, according to the report. They continue. Remaining atmospheric emissions of greenhouse gases from industrial processes are increasingly removed through carbon capture and storage. As the century progresses, more carbon is captured than stored, keeping the global temperature below 2 degrees C above pre-industrial levels. Wildlife is gradually recovering and starting to thrive once again in many places. Let's stop there. Everything that I just covered in this Club of Rome report is total deception. None of it is true. None of it ever will be true. All just Pollyanna propaganda designed for the purpose of public pacification. And sadly, many are still drinking the proverbial Kool-Aid. Collapse on countless fronts is not just coming. It's here. It's unfolding at blinding speed. All of our efforts are needed in the battle to turn the tide, short of which... It will soon be game over. On that note of good cheer, this is Dane Wigington with GeoengineeringWatch.org. You're listening to the weekly installment of Global Alert News, the end of the world as we know it broadcast, commercial-free, non-political, and covering the most dire and immediate threats we collectively face. Let's cover more puzzle pieces. Moving on. Green energy to the rescue Another report on that front, or not so much to the rescue. From multiple sources, eminent Oxford scientist says wind power fails on every count. The report states it could be argued that the basic arithmetic showing wind power is an economic and societal disaster in the making is a fact which should be clear to any bright primary school child. Oxford University mathematician and physicist and researcher at CERN and fellow of the Keeble College, Emeritus Professor Wade Allison, has done the math. The UK is facing the likelihood of a failure in the electricity supply, he concludes. Wind power fails on every count, he says, adding to that the governments are ignoring overwhelming evidence of the inadequacies of wind power and resorting to bluster, i.e. propaganda, rather than reasoned analysis. When fluctuations in wind, listen carefully, are taken into account, wind speed, the performance of wind becomes much worse. If the wind speed drops by half, the power availability falls by a factor of eight. Further, and almost as bad, if the wind speed doubles, the potential power delivered goes up by eight times, but unfortunately, the turbines have to be turned off for their own protection. With those last two critically important factors in mind, consider that climate intervention operations are fueling wind whiplash scenarios also. Extreme or nothing, the worst possible scenario for wind turbines. And of course, climate engineering, aka solar radiation management operations, are meant to block direct sunlight. This in turn makes solar panels often completely useless. Geoengineeringwatch.org needs all the help we can get in challenging the so-called environmental organizations to acknowledge climate engineering operations and their devastating impact on so-called green energy. It is an alternative form of energy, wind, hydro, solar. Hydro is the best of the three. But it is only a carbon fuel extender in the end. And in the case of wind and solar and hydro, because Climate engineering is affecting the rain cycles, thus affecting the hydro producing dams, Hoover Dam and Glen Canyon Dam, both even now, even with all the precipitation, still at very low levels. That may change to a degree in the spring, but for how long until the climate engineers want it to reverse in the other direction again, because they can control the spigot. But in regard to the wind, my three wind turbines have been shut off for three years because of the exact scenarios I just described. The wind is either too fast and furious or not at all. The normal, consistent breezes that made that wind power viable are no more. And in regard to blocking the sun, that's what got me into this battle of 20 plus years to begin with when I built my off-grid home with the cover of Home Power magazine. And I began to lose very substantial amounts of my solar power uptake from whatever these aircraft were emitting, which I knew could not be just condensation. And when I began to test my precipitation to see if climate intervention elements, starting with aluminum, were in the precipitation, and I did not want to find it there, but I did, every single subsequent rain test, the level of elements like aluminum went up and up and up until one rain test went as high as 3,400 ppb, parts per billion, of aluminum in the precipitation. That is highly toxic rain, killing soil microbiome tree roots, and everything in between, from the clouds to the ground, aluminum is toxic to every life form on earth when it's bioavailable, and it is. And it can't be bioavailable for those that don't know, for those that claim aluminum is an abundant element, we should expect to see it everywhere, that is not true. Not free form aluminum, it does not exist in the environment naturally, period. If there's free form aluminum in our precipitation, it was mined and refined and put there along with barium, strontium, manganese, surfactants, polymer fibers, graphene, the list goes on and on, and there's much more likely that we don't know still. Moving on from SCMP News China, study uncovers grim warning from Earth's great dying. From that report, scientists said the research shows biodiversity crisis could reach a tipping point leading to ecosystem collapse. For the record, not could, already has. The report continues, the researchers found stronger species initially survived aka humans in this case but eventually food webs broke down creating chain reactions translation collapsing life support systems no food no humans with no shortage of global conflict and mad max on steroids all along the way on this path and that is the path we're on The new report continues with this. The study of Earth's most devastating mass extinction events suggests that today's biodiversity crisis could be just the beginning of an ecosystem collapse. Again, another lie. Biodiversity collapse isn't just beginning. It's well into its advanced stages now. Climate engineering is radically accelerating the entire process. Final excerpt from this report. The planet is losing species at a faster rate than at any other time in its history. AKA cascading collapse. I've covered this on many broadcasts. One falling domino knocks over a far larger domino and that domino an even larger domino cascading environmental collapse. Again, it's already here. How many species are we losing right now? The best statistical data indicates we are losing two to 300 species of plant, animal and or insect every single day. That's 15,000 times the historical background rate based on paleo data, and that's a million and a half percent of normal. And we have people, even today, attempting to tell themselves that this is just part of some natural process. There's nothing natural about the earth changes that are occurring at this point. And isn't it perplexing how those that are neck deep in denial very aggressively try to convince those around them of the same denial? They try to somehow abate their fear by getting someone to agree with them. Hiding from unpleasant realities doesn't make them go away. As I've stated so many times, the hallmark of a healthy mind is an unyielding willingness to face the truth no matter how dire. In addition to the loss of food production from ecosystem collapse, which includes the collapse of fisheries, which I'll get to in a moment, the controllers are implementing yet more methods of curtailing food production. Avian flu, culling of chickens and other bird Species. Here's how it works. If there's a single bird in an entire flock that tests positive for avian flu, the entire flock is culled. And that means the birds within that flock that would have had natural immunity are culled also, and they are never allowed to propagate that natural immunity. And that's part of what the controllers want. And that's how they're able to cull so many food sources. Single individual, whole flock gets culled. More on the assault on food production from AccuWeather.com. California farms grapple with flooded fields, quote, hundreds of millions in damage. From that report, several rounds of excess rain and floodwaters have taken their toll on farms across California, a reality that could soon mean higher food prices at the supermarket. The damage caused, the report says, by the storms has threatened the state's vast agricultural production production. No accident, which produces more than one third of the nation's vegetables and three quarters of the country's fruits and nuts, according to the California Department of Food and Agriculture. Preliminary estimates state that the total damage and economic loss from the intense rounds of moisture in California to be an additional six billion to eight billion, and that's on top of the 31 billion to 34 billion estimated from January's storm impacts. Some crops were completely wiped out as a result of the excess rain and flooding. Again, not just engineered floods. The previous years of engineered drought, and also in recent weeks for the sixth year in a row, completely engineered chemical ice nucleation cloud seeding operations just in time to flash freeze kill the now early blooming orchards. So many ways in which the weathermakers can and are decimating food production. Creating extreme temperature variations in close geographic proximity also fuels, at minimum, extreme atmospheric instability. What happens then? Cyclonic rotations, aka tornadoes, when warm flows of atmospheric moisture from the record warm Gulf of Mexico, and that's record warm right now, we're not even anywhere near summer, when those flows are pushed north so that they clash and combine with chemically ice-nucleated cold air flows being pushed in from the Pacific. This is the scenario that's now pushed as normal, to have a warm side and a cold side to a so-called winter storm. This is total lunacy, meteorologically speaking, and none of the scheduled weather script readers will admit to it, because to do so would be a very bad career decision for them. And the fate of the planet, people and the web of life don't seem to matter to them. Here's another headline from this week, same theme, and I'm beating this drum so loudly because it is imperative that the engineering winter engineered surface cooldowns with toxic chemical ice nucleation cloud seeding operations, it's imperative that those scenarios be recognized as a core part of geoengineering programs. Back to the AccuWeather report again. AccuWeather is just a matrix media, climate engineering cover-up organization. Here is the headline from this week: "Burst of cold air to trigger snow squalls and quote rapid freeze-up in Northeast." Report says old man winter is not ready to throw in the towel just yet. Rapid freeze-up from quote old man winter. Let's correct this headline: a climate-engineered chemical ice nucleation cloud seeding flash freeze event. More from the AccuWeather report. AccuWeather meteorologists say cold air racing across the northeast, eastern states, went over that a moment ago, being pushed in from the Pacific, will be accompanied with a, quote, burst of wintry weather. This combination, they say, could lead to a potentially dangerous freeze-up, flash freeze, as temperatures nosedive. Again, I ask, please, please, search the Engineering Winter section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. What's occurring in so many regions is winter weather warfare, nothing less. And what happens once the chemical cloud seeding cool down has run its course? More temperature whiplash, this time in the opposite direction. Final statement from the AccuWeather, quote, rapid flash freeze report. Temperatures are forecast to rebound quickly, end quote. Yes, I bet they are. When there is no more atmospheric moisture to carry out chemical ice nucleation cloud seeding operations, either directly overhead or somewhere upwind, then the surface temperatures are rebounding rapidly, ever more rapidly, with much more intensity as the ozone layer continues to deteriorate. The planet is spiraling into an abrupt climate collapse scenario, total meltdown. Every single short-term climate engineering chemical cool-down only further fuels the overall planetary meltdown due to the damage geoengineering operations are inflicting on the planet's remaining life support systems and already highly damaged atmospheric layers. Here's another flash freeze example from the SF Chronicle. San Francisco tied a century-old temperature record, 42 degrees. Doesn't sound that cold, does it? But when you're right, on the Pacific Ocean. You don't see a lot of temperature variance, especially with the sun as high as it is in the horizon at this time of year. All they have to do is create that headline, and for many, it's very impressive. It gives them the impression that the planet is not nearly as warm as it actually is, and that's part of the primary objective of climate engineering and these engineered cool downs. Confuse and divide the population as the true state of planetary meltdown until the last possible moment. Here's another headline outlining the crop-crushing effects that climate engineering operations are capable of inflicting. From Reuters.com, unseasonal rains and hail damage crops in India. This is another region of India. Part of it heating and damaging crops, part of it being buried under hail. And floods unseasonal rains and hailstorms have damaged ripening winter planted crops such as wheat in India's fertile northern central and western plains exposing thousands of farmers to losses and raising the risk of further food price inflation hail again stellar example of chemical ice nucleating operations they start. The freeze up around a core nucleus and create very large hail. If you want to see the extreme of this when it's dispersed over bodies of water, search Lake Michigan ice balls. And you can see many, many photos of this type of scenario. You have to see it to believe it if you search the Engineering Winter section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. Report continues. The one from Reuters I just covered. A sudden rise in temperatures hit the wheat crop earlier this month. <laughs> Last year also, a heat wave in the country's wheat production forcing India to impose a ban to calm local prices. Lower crop yields will cut India's wheat output for the second straight year, making it difficult for the state-run Food Corporation of India to shore up its depleting stocks. So again, to summarize... First, excessive heat crushed primary crops in India, even in winter, unprecedented rain and hail, and spring further damages, remaining staple crops. And this is just one example of what's consistently occurring all over the world. Weather catastrophes crushing crops, crushing food production, accelerating the inevitable starvation of populations all over the world. Just incredible coincidence? Or controller-orchestrated weather warfare, a method to manipulate and ultimately cull global populations you decide. And while you're doing so, consider and remember that there is no natural weather at this point. All is tainted by covert climate intervention operations, the fallout of which is ubiquitously contaminating the entire planet and every breath we take. For our on-air listeners, if you haven't seen our post of this broadcast on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org, please take a moment to look and you'll know where to share this broadcast with others, but also in the first 30 seconds of the post under the recent column on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org, you can see video footage of former US President Lyndon Johnson on film, on the record in 1962, 61 years ago, stating that we had the power to control the world's cloud layer then, and quote, he who controls the weather controls the world, aka he who controls the weather controls Food supplies, thus controls populations, thus controls the world. What's occurring on the other side of the planet that the U.S. Matrix media hasn't said a single word about? From the UK Guardian, environmental tragedy as fires burn through one-fifth of Northern Territory National Park. It's in Australia. Large fires west of Alice Springs, Australia, have burned through 20% of the West MacDonald National Park and what conservationists say is a nationally significant environmental tragedy. The fires have been fueled by a hot march, which followed three years of above-average rainfall that increased fuel load. The final excerpt from this report, our changing climate is increasing the risk of catastrophic bushfire events. Again, search the engineering wildfire section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org if you want to learn the core factor that's fueling epic wildfires all over the globe. And about the rain increasing the fuel load. Toxic rain kills off root systems of larger organisms, a.k.a. the trees. But bushes and grasses are not as impacted. Dead trees, excess brush, massive wildfires especially when they're coated with incendiary dust which the climate engineering fallout is and when there's more dry lightning which the ionized atmosphere now creates thanks to the electrically conductive climate engineering elements from every conceivable direction climate intervention operations are fueling further fueling the epic wildfires from climate action australia this new report can we avoid a future that is truly frightening question mark here's my answer yes we can't avoid it, because being frightened is a choice. Choosing to fully face the wider horizon without fear, timidity, and trepidation is also a choice. From NBC News, what's to fear about warming oceans? Question mark Flesh-eating bacteria. A study just published in the journal Scientific Reports found potentially deadly infections from a type of flesh-eating bacterium Could significantly increase in the decades ahead as climate change causes oceans to warm and helps the organisms spread into new coastal areas. Called V. vulnificus, infections spread rapidly and the bacterium can severely damage a person's flesh. One in five cases is deadly. Many patients require amputations to survive. That doesn't sound good, does it? Question, could the 400 plus biolabs all over the world have anything to do? With this organism, you decide. V. vulnificus bacteria thrive in warm and shallow coastal waters. Infections typically peak in the summer months. People can become infected through cuts or other lesions in the skin that come into contact with seawater. Does all this make you on a vacation in Florida or the Gulf Coast, where you can have the opportunity to experience not only V. vulnificus, but also deadly red tides? Thousands of miles of rotting hydrogen sulfide releasing sargassum seaweed and beaches full of dead rotting sea life. Welcome to the new world. Welcome to what is scientifically termed Canfield Ocean. If you want to know the full definition of that term, please look it up. It's happening. And if the oceans die, we will follow. You're listening to the weekly installment of Global Alert News, the Bad News Broadcast, installment number 399, April 1st, 2023. And I wish... That the information presented in this broadcast was just an april fool's prank but such a notion couldn't be further from the truth this is dane wigginton your host global alert news is brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org the largest and most visited website in the world on the subject of climate intervention operations known as geoengineering the commercial free non-political global alert news hour is now broadcast on 22 am and fm stations throughout the country All recent recordings of this broadcast can be found on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org under the recent column. geoengineeringwatch.org wishes to express our deepest gratitude to those that have helped us to expand our reach and our voice in this desperate last hour effort to sound the alarm. On that subject, if you're on our email list, please put us on your email contact book so that our mail-outs don't go to the spam files. Please help us to share the groundbreaking documentary, The Dimming, which fully exposes the climate engineering atrocities now with almost 1.4 million views. And the sharing of The Dimming is definitely accelerating, and we need your help to continue with that momentum. That film contains so much data to force climate engineering to light. The more hands we can put it in, the faster we will expose this issue. The best way to share the Dimming documentary is by circulating the direct link from the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. Sharing directly helps us to overcome social media censorship. When viewing our YouTube of the Dimming or Global Alert News or any other Geoengineering Watch video on YouTube, please subscribe, share and comment, all of which helps us to circulate critically important data to a much wider audience how do we reach those that still aren't looking up geodring watch awareness raising materials can be found on our home page our only goal To provide activists what they need to move this fight forward as fast as possible. There are very high quality printed materials with shocking images. A picture's worth a thousand words as the proverb goes. We now have geoengineering watch hoodies to go with our new geoengineering watch shirts. Both with very high quality four color images on both sides. The images of a military jet tanker descending down over the planet and spraying. A dimming sun is in the background with this caption. Stop climate engineering. Investigate. And below that. Geoengineeringwatch.org so people can find a credible source of data to further their investigation. Scannable business cards and bumper stickers, all effective tools to help strike up a conversation on the climate engineering issue. Waking the masses to the climate engineering onslaught is the great imperative of our time. If we can expose it, we can stop it from the inside out as we awaken our military brothers and sisters and their families and the families of the private defense contractors that are involved with climate engineering operations, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, and there are many others. We must expose this issue. If we can do that, the wheels in this battle will turn on their own. Wait and see. If you're willing to share a picture of yourself with a Geoengineering Watch shirt, perhaps at a gym, farmer's market, or busy street, downtown please send your photo to us so that we can post it as part of our activist compilation which is now part of our materials page the images encourage others to make their voices heard in this all-important battle to sound the alarm final note if you know any radio station that might be interested in airing the non-political commercial free global alert news hour have them contact us at admin at geoengineeringwatch.org moving on using our c's For a toxic waste dump, new from the UK Guardian, a dire update on a story that I first covered in this broadcast when that story broke about the massive DDT dumping ground off the LA coast. Here's the headline, high concentrations of DDT found across vast swath of California seafloor. From that report, barrels of the toxic chemical were dumped along the Pacific coast decades ago. New research shows the material never broke down. For years... Industrial companies in Southern California use the coast as a dumping ground for toxic chemical waste, including DDT. Decades later, scientists have found that the pesticide remains in high concentrations on the ocean floor and has never broken down. Nearly two years after the discovery of tens of thousands of barrels of waste off the coast of Los Angeles, it's not tens of thousands, it's hundreds of thousands. I think the report admits to that in a moment. Bear with me. A scientist working on this issue shared this week that the chemicals Are still spread across a vast stretch of the seafloor the report author stated we still see original ddt on the seafloor from 50 60 and 70 years ago which tells us that it's not breaking down the way that we once thought it should think of that statement we thought it would magically go away that's our so-called science community DDT, which was widely used in the U.S. as an agricultural pesticide and sprayed in large quantities at beaches packed with people to kill mosquitoes has been linked to cancer and disease in humans and the mass die-off of animals. In the 1970s, it was banned in the U.S. due to its harmful effects on wildlife and potential risks to humans. Research has shown a link between exposure to the chemical and breast cancer as well as reproductive problems. Southern California was the center of DDT production in the US, the Montrose Chemical Corporation in Torrance produced massive amounts of the chemical between the end of the Second World War through 1982. During that time, before Congress banned such activity, up to 2,000 barrels a month of acid sludge waste containing DDT was dumped off the coast. Workers sometimes poked holes in the barrels so that they would sink more quickly. In late 2020, a report from the LA Times told the story of how LA's coast became a dumping ground for DDT, revealing that as many as half a million barrels could still be on the seafloor. That's the number I was talking about earlier. Half a million barrels. Highly toxic DDT. Think about that. The DDT dumping reportedly continued into the early 90s. On a moonlit night in the late 80s at about 2 a.m., I was crossing the Catalina Channel extremely beautiful night. I remember it very well. Off the L.A. coast, crossing to Catalina Island in my small boat, on my way to a few days of diving at the Channel Islands, and I encountered a tugboat pulling a barge that appeared to be loaded with some sort of canisters. And I always wondered, what was that? Before going over the next bad news breaking report, a reminder from last week's broadcast, the West Coast salmon fishing season was cancelled. Almost no salmon, for many reasons. None of them good. Next report, multiple sources. Global fisheries threatened by climate change. Again, they put everything under that category, ignoring the kinds of stories I just covered, ignoring climate engineering that's destroying the ozone layer that's raining down lethal UV radiation on plankton populations and killing them because they have to feed in the upper layers of the water column to photosynthesize. These are the simplistic sort of... Headlines pumped out by the so-called science community that doesn't want the population to have any real clue as to what's going on or why. From this report, if zooplankton are affected by climate change, this could have important implications for the ocean's ability to sequester carbon emissions and the productivity of fisheries. If plankton are affected? Again, no, not if. Recent studies on plankton populations in the Atlantic, for example, conclude that there's been a 90% crash No plankton, no fish, and plummeting atmospheric oxygen content already occurring. Plankton is the largest producer of atmospheric oxygen on the planet. Again, our oceans have been used as a toxic waste dump for well over a century. Further extreme fishing of remaining fish stocks is exponentially past any form of sustainability. It's an all-out commercial fishing free-for-all to catch everything, anything that's left before everything's dead, which won't be long. On the current course. On that note, this new MSN.com report toxic red tide algae is overwhelming U.S. beaches. Touched on this earlier. You can't be outside, the report states. Again, it's not just algae that beachgoers along the coast are contending with this year. Scientists are also warning that a gigantic blob of seaweed, known as sargassum, that's expected to land on shores in the southern beaches. Over the upcoming summer. Besides being unsightly and not so much fun for swimmers, the growth also releases toxins as it decomposes in the water and on land, which can create respiratory issues similar to K. brevis. Not can, will, if you're exposed to enough of it. And let's not forget again, V. vilnificus, bacteria, the flesh eater, also potentially a part of the mix. Final excerpt from this report those with respiratory issues or who are sensitive to the toxic microorganism everybody's sensitive to something that's toxic aren't they maybe certain people have more tolerance but doesn't mean you should expose yourself to it they say you may want to avoid the coast entirely and anyone who experiences lingering symptoms due to exposure should seek medical attention let's press on and add a bit more to the mix here's another factor from earth.com preparing for ocean acidification a silent killer of climate change. How many people know the oceans are acidifying, already having devastating effects? And there's this new report from the American Geophysical Union. Climate change has likely begun to suffocate the world's fisheries. From that report, new research finds the ocean's middle depths, home to many commercially fished species, have begun losing oxygen. They haven't begun losing oxygen. There are 500 plus major dead zones in the earth's oceans right now, they're all expanding and the amount of these debt zones is accelerating radically. And atmospheric oxygen content is also plummeting. It must plummet. Plankton, number one source of atmospheric oxygen production force, second source, both sources are being completely decimated. The oceans are being absolutely wiped out. What do we see on our so-called matrix media? Nothing of any existential value, nothing simply the scripted political dog and pony show distracting the masses from the wider horizon day in, day out. What will it take to change this equation? The dying of the oceans makes my heart bleed. I have seen so many things in so many parts of the world that I now know are either no more or will soon be no more. And that pains me to the marrow Let's expand on some puzzle pieces. Next, wherever it came from, bird flu isn't just killing birds. From the UK Guardian, first birds, now mammals. How H5N1, i.e. bird flu, is killing thousands of sea lions in Peru. Avian flu has decimated the marine creatures on the country's Pacific coastline, and scientists fear it could be jumping from mammal to mammal. The report then states there's the possibility of a massive number of different species acquiring the virus and it mutating, i.e. the virus, in the process question does all that sound familiar and the so-called science community blaming everything with weather with this type of pathogen spreading in every arena of life blaming it all in nature and yet we have 400 plus biolabs all over the world that we know are working on this type of pathogen why would we think there's not potentially a connection You decide. But when I think of these seals dying, it makes my heart bleed. I've spent so much time in the water alone, in solitude, Santa Barbara Island, Santa Cruz Island, Santa Catalina, San Clemente Island, with sea lions all around me. Hours and hours, days, over the course of years. And now they are dying by the drove, everywhere. Everywhere. What will our seas be like without those miraculous creatures and so many others like them? Moving on, it's not just the oceans that are dying by the day. From TheHill.com, California's desert trees can't take the heat. The report states, some of the Southwest's most iconic desert trees are running for their lives in what could be a grim harbinger for more temperate ecosystems across the West. A study in functional ecology offers evidence that desert ecosystems long perceived as the most resilient to climate change may be hitting their limits. No, not maybe hitting their limits, rather have already far exceeded their limits. When I lived in Southern California at the top of the Cajon Pass, there was... In a remote spot, a single pinion pine of a particular species. It was the last of its kind at the top of the Cajon Pass. And I couldn't bear to see it die. And I would carry water to this tree, five gallons in each arm, across rugged terrain to reach this tree and to keep him watered. I don't know if he's still alive. He was when I left. Area. But when I think of things like that and how few notice, I feel I'm on the wrong planet. I always have. Since the time I was young, I felt I didn't fit here, I didn't belong here. But here I am, and here I will make my stand. And to all those, that are standing steadfastly against the rapidly rising sea of insanity, you have my undying gratitude. It is our collective efforts that can yet make a difference. From ProPublica.com, this, how forest loss can unleash the next pandemic. The report says, deforestation is just one pathway that can lead to spillover, but it's a key driver that's largely ignored by governments and international health agencies. Reducing risky deforestation to minimize spillover opportunities will require policymakers to, quote, work closely with communities that need to clear forests for their livelihoods. Does that last statement include logging companies? Don't think so. Governments aren't going to slow down the clear-cut forest butchering logging. And stop for a moment to consider this statement from the report. Communities that need to clear forests for their livelihood. Question how long can a species, in this case the human race, cut down and grind up the very life support systems of the planet in order to sustain, quote, their livelihoods and expect to survive. This equation is the same as a snake eating its own tail. The human race taken as a whole has lost its mind, an epidemic of hive mind mass insanity. And I'm not speaking to the exceptions. They know who they are. The rest, who are not the exceptions, also know at some level who they are. And above it all, climate engineering rages on. It's past time to put the rubber to the road. It's necessary for all of us given our individual circumstances and situations, to decide how we can move this fight forward. Please see the activist suggestions link on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org to learn how you can help. Moving on from the Washington Post, why climate doomers are replacing climate deniers. From that report, how UN reports and confusing headlines created a generation of people who believe climate change can't be stopped. Guess what? It can't be stopped. The planet we have known will never be again. Can we salvage some part of the planet's life support systems? That remains to be seen, but not if we don't first expose and halt the climate engineering insanity. The single Greatest and most immediate threat we collectively face, short of nuclear cataclysm, which is also on the menu. In the meantime, the carbon fuel carnival continues, unabated and accelerating. The controllers need a constant supply of fuel to keep those geoengineering jets in the air all over the world. Next from Yale University as enforcement lags, toxic coal ash keeps polluting U.S. water. That's not all us polluting. The report states the 299 U.S. coal-burning plants that remain continue to generate nearly 70 million tons of new ash annually. That's interesting because based on our precipitation tests and our analyzation and extrapolation, it appears that globally there's somewhere in the range of 50 to 60 million tons of climate engineering elements being distributed. Very close figures. Let's tie all this together. Based on extensive testing, highly toxic coal ash, again, appears to be being used as a base material for climate engineering, solar radiation management, and ocean fertilization, another form of highly destructive geoengineering. How's all this working out so far? With planetary omnicide looming on the near-term horizon, even without a nuclear weapons exchange, which the global controllers, again, are also moving toward as they run out of options on a dying planet. Next, an update on our increasingly hazardous railroads from the uk guardian yet another toxic train derailment train carrying hazardous materials derails in north dakota another from sfgate.com 55 car train derails in california from usa today residents forced to evacuate after train carrying ethanol derails and catches fire in minnesota they just keep coming don't they and it's not just trains New from Newsweek, Ohio River disaster is barged with tons of toxic methanol sinks. And there's this from CommonDreams.org. Toxic fears, confusion after chemical leak hits Philadelphia drinking water supply. Residents of Philadelphia and the surrounding area demanded clarity about the safety of their drinking water from city officials. On Monday, three days after chemicals leaked from a plant into a tributary of the Delaware River, which provides water for about 14 million people in four states. Despite the leak of the chemicals, city officials didn't alert residents for two days, and when they finally announced to people in Philadelphia that it happened, they advised them to drink bottled water. The report then says helicopter surveillance didn't show any visual evidence of chemical contamination. Wow, what a relief. Officials couldn't see any problem from their helicopter, so everything must be fine. Welcome to the asylum. A few more breaking headlines, almost out of time. You can look these up to learn more from the American Geophysical Union. The Greenland ice sheet is close to a melting point of no return, says new study. No, not close, past. Long since past. From phys.org, new research highlights an overlooked accelerant of ice loss from Antarctica's Thwaites Glacier. This is an ongoing and unfolding scenario. The Thwaites Glacier is also called the Doomsday Glacier due to the extensive sea level rise it will cause by itself. And this is just the beginning. From the UK Guardian, melting Antarctic ice predicted to cause rapid slowdown of deep ocean currents. This is very serious. From BBC Parallel Report, Antarctic ocean currents heading for collapse. I can't overexpress the gravity of these current collapses. This is the planet's temperature regulating mechanism. We are in totally uncharted territory. On that note, about the planet's inability to distribute heat from Morocco World News. Heat wave to hit Morocco next week. From euroreporter.com, As scorched southwestern France braces itself for fires to come. We don't see any of this on US media. France is worried about a prolonged drought and the prospect of more wildfires this summer. It's coming. Make no mistake about that. It's coming. It's coming back for the West as well. Those who think that the epic fires are over need to rethink that conclusion. It will dry out very quickly as the climate engineers likely shut off the flow of moisture again and begin to dry out the atmosphere with their desiccant particles. It sucks the humidity out of everything, which of course, further fuels the unprecedented wildfires, please search the engineering wildfire section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. Again, for the record, there must be more overall precipitation on a rapidly warming planet. The atmosphere retains 7% more moisture for every degree C of warming. Unfiltered frontline temperature data indicates we are already past 3.5 degrees C of warming from pre-industrial baselines. If there is less overall precipitation, keyword overall, that can only happen If there's an element in the equation, a massive component that we are not being informed about, and that component is climate engineering operations. The U.S. military calls weather warfare a, quote, force multiplier. Their own reports state their objective of, quote, owning the weather by 2025, though they have long since achieved this objective. And other nations are actively or passively participating in the climate engineering operations in spite of, otherwise adversarial relations. We're all living in a planetary Truman Show run by the criminally insane and inhabited by a majority that all too often refuse to even investigate the truth. Eyes wide shut, so many so afraid of facing the wider horizon, this must change fast or the story will soon end. Why and where is the need for fear? What's the worst that can happen at this point? A one way ticket out of the planetary asylum? Is that what so many tremble at? The thought of actually facing the wider horizon? True solace can't be found, ever, hiding in your cabin, below the deck of the sinking Titanic, aka planet Earth, we, all of us, each of us, must summon the courage to fully face the gathering storm, to call out the insanity for what it is, to expose it, to stand against it, no matter what, to let go of what we thought would be and embrace what is, to man our individual posts, to make a difference for the better in any and every way we can. The greatest single leap we can make in the right direction is to expose and halt the ongoing and accelerating atmospheric assault. This effort will take all of us. Sharing credible data from a credible source is key. Check the activist suggestions link on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org for specific details on how you can help to move this fight forward. We must make our voices heard. It's now or never. Until next week, this is Dane Wigington from geoengineeringwatch.org.